0: School rebellion, do you want to drink or anything? No, <laughs> no, I'm good.
1: Grow up, that's one of my favorites.
0: Is that the title of this uh, of tonight's uh, podcast? Grow up, oh, grow up. <laughs> my
1: mom used to always say that to my dad. I never got it until I grew up. I was like, Oh, all right, <laughs> I'm not sure
0: I have yet, but
1: I get you. I got it now. I understand. Yeah, okay. Um...
0: I don't know. That somehow that fits into uh, Mahler's um, Wunderhorn symphonies. You know, I mean the 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 Mahler Fourth coming up at the San Diego Symphony is uh, the concluding symphony in the first of the first four, which are all the Wunderhorn symphonies. They're all for, uh, contain poems or thematic references from songs that he wrote on poems from Dichterliebe Dix- mm-hmm. and Wunderhorn, um, and. In this case, it's sort of a, a celebration of the heavenly life. Uh, this rather merry depiction of, of heaven. Um, heaven, uh, okay, uh, with uh, Saint Ursula and her eleven thousand virgins dancing around, and 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 there's you know plenty of fish for everybody, and Saint Peter's minding the nets, and it's it's a it's quite jolly actually. Yeah. So okay. It also it also does reference you know the bringing the lamb to the slaughter, you know. So this is rather, you know, but that's. That's part of the Christian imagery of the um, uh, you know of certainly plays into the second, you know, yeah. the second symphony. Yeah. So it's all about life and death. You mm-hmm. know, it's got the totem well. taunts in there in the second movement, oh, nice. um, and uh, but it's such a delicate. But I, I I just there's a couple of interesting things about the Mahler Fourth. Um, well, I think they're interesting anyway. Uh, did did you know? that the Mahler Fourth was the first of Mahler's symphonies to be recorded electronically.
1: Oh, is that the Mengelberg?
0: No, no, that, that's that's another thing I want to talk about. But the, it. was. You'll never guess who was the first to record the Mahler Fourth through electronic... I mean, it had never been recorded before, but right. through electronic microphones, first recording. What symphony do you think did it?
1: Well, you would think it would be Bruno Walter.
0: You would think. In like Columbia, the New York like, yeah. Phil or blah. The Tokyo Philharmonic. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. The Tokyo Philharmonic. Very okay. enterprisingly recorded the Mahler 4th in 1930. Okay. And I've heard the recording. It's been issued by Phillips. Um, and uh, it's, it's not bad. I mean, for a first essay of a very large, you know, not a huge, but a large-scale symphony, a complex work by... Um, you know, uh, uh, by a large orchestra, big orchestra, you know, it's a full mm-hmm. orchestration. Yep. Um, Tokyo. Hmm.
1: Yeah, that's, I would have never guessed. You would never that have that guessed,
0: thing. but, I mean.
1: Yeah. I might have guessed, you know, Calcutta or something, if you kept pushing me. It silly. <laughs>
0: yeah, the the, the <laughs> Delhi Symphony. Yeah. Delhi Philharmonic. Right. Harmonica. Um, no, but it's a Tokyo Symphony. And, uh. Now, you mentioned the Mengelberg recording. Something that I got... I have it on a CD, but I had it previously on a, on a, a Philips LP, which had just a little bit more lead time on it. Hmm. And um, you hear the the audience kind of settling in a little bit. Yeah, And this gets it, changes... Differences between then and now. Um, maybe it's growing up. I don't know. You know, grow up! Right. But maybe they grew up. But you... The, you hear the audience settling in and then and then you hear and you hear Mingleberg tap the stand at the orchestra. Right. You know, when was the last time you oh, heard yeah. a conductor uh-huh. tap the stand to, to say you know it's the equivalent of saying, All right, steady you know, here we yeah, go. Right. Focus up. Because, because that's a that is a cliche thing though. But he does it. But why they don't tap you, the stand? but what it implies is i mean nowadays they've already focused up they don't have right. to tap the stand because they've already tuned and everything mm-hmm. right in the old days the, the 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 conductor would would come out and the orchestra would tune and he'd be he'd be there and you can almost i know it, it occurred to me just recently so what was mengelberg doing he was probably Turn around, maybe talking to somebody in the front row, right. saying hello to someone. You know, uh, uh, you know, uh, how's yeah. how's the family? You know, it's like lovely to see you. You know, and while they're tuning, then they do their thing, they quiet down. It's that moment now,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but that moment that's not part of modern concert going. Mm-mm. And I kind of think that something something colloquial is lost by that. Yeah. you know, it's all so formal now. There's no room for any informality yeah. in it. You know, and the relaxation as the audience, as everyone sort of comes together into that moment. It's all right. stratified now, first. the You know, yeah. the, the, the the orchestra, the audience settles down, like the orchestra greeting, tunes. The, that,
1: it's kind of like the greeting, uh, and like at a church service, they might you know, stand and greet each other, and everyone greets each other. I mean, and the
0: difference is like, when, when the conductor comes out now, it's like, here I come.
1: Yeah. In right. the
0: old days, it was like, here we go, right. here we go right, and I, I, I think there's something almost really uh, really pleasantly familiar about that we're all you know in an informal atmosphere, and now the moment comes right and yeah that you can hear that on that record you can really hear that uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's on if it's included that moment is included on. Uh, anything that's on YouTube, I've never listened for it. Mm-hmm. I just know it from that record, and I've always kind of really treasured yeah. that moment. I think yeah. it's something special.
1: It is. Mangelberg though,
0: and that was the Mahler Fourth that he right. was conducting.
1: Yeah. wrong uh, side of history for that guy.
0: Yeah, the the recording, which is a strikingly good recording. I mean, mm-hmm. I I, have to, I should play. Sure. It's good. I mean, acoustically, it's yeah. good. Yes, it's it like yeah, yeah. It's I think. Very good. I think it was recorded on on an early audio tape, like I a heard magnetic it when, tape. Uh, I think.
1: I can't remember who re-released it.
0: Well, Phillips, ha- I think it's still in Phillips copyright.
1: Yeah, it was Tim Warner. Someone released a, a cleaned
0: up version. I've got it on a really cheap yeah. issue CD. And the, the, I was playing it the other the other day in the living room uh, at volume. And it's clean. Mm-hmm. It is so clean. It's a really remarkable recording. But it's 1939. Mm-hmm. What and I mean by
1: wrong side of history is, is he bet on Hitler.
0: Well, he stayed where he was, like Fort Wengler. But well, he mean,
1: had everything stripped from him by the by the, <coughs> the king or queen. Whoever won the war in Holland stripped him of all of his awards and right. positions and everything because of his position during the war. Like he was a Nazi sympathizer. Actively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah Very great of, shame because yeah.
0: he he was a he was a uh, a tremendous conductor. You know,
1: World War II stands as this great division of the twentieth century. There's artists before and after the war, and you judge them based on what they did during the war,
0: except for Herbert von Karajan.
1: You well, still Dutch. I mean,
0: <laughs> I mean, no, I know, but nobody did. It's
1: like, like Roman never played with him because he,
0: nobody he, stripped him of his any of his. I mean, it didn't really affect his stature. I mean, not. No, he was at the beginning of his. Yeah, well, I mean, he was a yeah, he was a Goebbels protege.
1: Yeah, and um, there's all kinds of well, about, I say protege. Yeah, it was protégé. like Goebbels was teaching him how to kill. But people. But Goebbels he was just, definitely playing him. Off of Furtwongler, because they were trying to pressure Furtwongler into joining the party. Right, Which right. he never did. Von Karajan joined early to get a, a position. It was one of those, if you want a position, you got to join the party. Right. And he had, didn't have one, joined the party. But married a half-Jewish woman in 1941 or two, and her, of a very wealthy family. And their whole family survived the war. Uh-huh. And what I want to know is how much did they pay him? to marry their daughter because the marriage did not at last mm. how much did that family pay him to make sure he used his influence to get them through
0: very possible because the entire
1: family survived
0: as opposed to Knopper's Bush who actually actively stood up for the Jewish musicians in the Berlin Philharmonic mm-hmm. and got exiled to Vienna for the rest of the war I
1: love Hans Knopper's Bush
0: well, I too I think he's the, the best Wagnerian conductor I've ever heard Yeah, but idiosyncratic in that uh, he was always on the edge of everything being a little bit different because he, he wouldn't rehearse. He hated rehearsing. Hmm. There's a story about him that said, uh, um, they, I think they were rehearsing a Bruckner symphony and somebody made a clinker in the performance. Uh-huh. And he said afterwards, he sort of spluttered, saying, You know, it would never have happened if we hadn't had that 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 rehearsal. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he could he's, be onto something. There. You know, he's the, yeah. the polar—he was the polar opposite of you, again, you you know, or Klim or,
1: Clem, or uh, mean, we, would would like yeah.
0: rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and then cancel the concert. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do it. Yeah, or was, as well.
1: Kleiber, yeah, Kleiber was wanting, I think, like twenty-five to thirty rehearsals.
0: Oh yeah. Later yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: on, I, it felt almost like he didn't want to conduct anymore.
0: Well, in Ravansky's case, you know, the more he, the, the more you rehearse, the longer you may live. Right. You know, so... Well, if you're story? rehearsing for Stalin... I'm
1: not familiar. Hmm? Ravonsky. Ravonsky,
0: Leningrad, Philharmonic. Mm. And uh, he, would, he would legendarily rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and rehearse for months, and then just cancel the concert. Say, it's not the way I like it. We're not going to do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then just work on something else. Right.
1: Well, that's so. a way to make it through the... To avoid the gulag, I guess. Yeah, that's one way. No,
0: I mean... It, I was, of the of the three of Furtwängler and 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 Mengelberg, Mengelberg was the most versatile of the. I mean, mm. he, he was he had a, an amazing fluidity. Yeah. In his, in his, I mean, he was just a magnificent interpreter and enabler of the orchestra. Mm-hmm. And it's just such a shame that uh, things turned out the way they did. Yeah. But as for that recording of the Mahler Four, I think it's it stands forward. up against yeah. any modern recording I've ever heard.
1: Hmm. Yeah, like I said, I don't know. Right, I have mentioned you, you, know, off tape, um, or off phone. Mm. That I am not. You know, I I can. You can drop a needle on Mahler Symphony Two, five, six, seven, eight, and nine, and I can tell you where we are. Yeah. So three and four. One, three and four. Not as much. Unless you pick the da da de, da, I'm da, actually, da, de, da. I'm actually.
0: I'm actually best. On uh the second, third, fourth, uh the eighth, and the tenth. Actually, I've actually heard the tenth um uh live in concert in London with um Mark uh the Derek, what was his name.
1: The Derek Cook version? I'm not sure if He's, it was Derek. Was it, it
0: Derek Cook or um, For sure Derek Cook did it? The or Ernst Krennick. Krennic. There could be another version. It could be two. Ernst Krenek did, did did a completion of that as well. Hmm. But this it, it's a, it's a wonderful symphony. I mean, the, the thing about it is that it, the only thing that's speculative about it is some of the orchestration because he sketched the whole thing through. Okay. There's there's there was no there's no no free composition in it. Um, right. He he gave the thematic line through the entire pro, you know projected score, and it really is. I I remember once I was working for Warehouse Records as their classical guy down at Sports Arena. And um, one of the great things about the retail, shop- the social aspect of the retail shopping experience is that you got to know the classical nerds. like mm-hmm. Because it was a social thing for them to yep. come together and, and trade ideas. And there was a man named Ron. I, I wish I could remember. Ron, was...
1: yep. So let, let, just for the... Anyone listening to this. Ron, if you yes,
0: happen to be listening to this, I remember the, you. Here's
1: the thing about John and I. I followed John... <laughs> At the warehouse sports arena, we'd never met, but I followed you there. Did you really? I did. I that? worked there after you left, and then you worked at the San Diego State Tower, Tower Records, Records on Oklahoma Boulevard. And I worked at the sports arena Tower Records at the same time. <laughs> and my first voice teacher was Bob Ferris,
0: so it was one of your basically, we've been stalking each other our entire been, lives. Yeah, we've been interesting.
1: You know, well, dancing around each other's energy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, but Ron... Has- <laughs> that's an interesting talk about a totem dance. Yeah. Okay, well anyway. Um, yeah Ron uh oh that uh, guy's awesome. He, he he's a he's a huge Mahler fan. An authoritative um has an authoritative uh, encyclopedic knowledge of Mahler, Bruckner,
1: Mahler, Wagner. That's it. He owned no recordings by anyone
0: else. And I remember I remember that he he had a Volkswagen bug that he he bought a, a had a had a, a custom license plate G Mahler done for it. And I remember that he was concerned at the time that people wouldn't without the period people would think it might say Jamaller you know, <laughs> uh, I said no. I, I think they'll probably figure it out. But um, but uh, that kind of you know I can I can see why I remember the the first time I can see where that's where that kind of dedication to Mahler comes from because the when I run into people as I do occasionally who've never heard the Mahler Second, I said yeah. y- you need to you, you need, need to to hear, it. to hear You need to set yeah. aside some time with a with a nice big stereo and 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 you know, assuming that I think they're the kind of people that would appreciate it, mm-hmm. and, and experience this, because it is an experience. It I, is. The, the Klimperer was my first recording of it, and it just shattered my mind. I mean, mm-hmm. I thought, you know, if if the second coming doesn't actually sound like that, I'm going to be disappointed.
1: As soon as I heard Mahler's second, I began proselytizing people.
0: Mm. I mean, it's like, just... Like, I was like,
1: this, nothing's the same anymore. I was like, there's pre-Mahler's second af- and post. For someone, I was... Oh, I, was I, like, I, I agree. I was 21...
0: You know, in college, and it was like that. It, and <inaudible> it, <inaudible> it. <inaudible> <inaudible> it's just like, wow, you know, yeah. what what a great start to the 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 angst of life and the struggle mm-hmm. and you you know the daily grind. And, but uh, you know, I I always regard you know the the, the Durflay Requiem ends on a five seven chord. You know, it's unresolved, yeah, right. and I'm like, what's the re- what comes next? You know, it's it's a, it's a requiem mass, so it's like that's death. And then, obviously, the 5-7 sort of begs a question.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What happens next? I'll tell you what happens. The Mahler Second happens next. <laughs> it's the last movement of the Durafle Requiem. You know, it's, that's what happens next.
1: Mm.
0: And, it, like, just wow. So what other pieces of music do you so anyway,
1: think people um, have to listen to in their life? Like, if you haven't listened to this, it's like New York City. You live in the United States... And die, and you've never been in New York City. What the hell's wrong with
0: you? <laughs> <laughs> so what is. You must not go to museums. You can go see.
1: there and you hate it. That's fine. But you gotta go. So, Mahler 2, I agree. What would yeah, be your to. other. Um, let's, let's limit it to 10.
0: Beethoven 9.
1: Sure. Okay. Yeah, of course.
0: Beethoven 9. I mean, that's, that's a must. Um... Are we including opera in this?
1: We yeah. are. It makes it tough.
0: It does. Um, I
1: say Mozart Requiem.
0: Nah. It's mostly a reconstruction. Yeah. yeah. Cute piece. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I don't think much. I mean, it's not... I, I like it. But it's not... It doesn't blow my mind. Um... I don't really care who wrote it, either. I mean, it, it, it may be, like, mostly by... The, the first movement is probably Mozart, and after that, there's some question as to who wrote the rest of it, you know. But it doesn't really matter who wrote the rest of it because it's a good piece. Mm-hmm. It's solid. Um,
1: okay, so then what Mozart would you put? Marriage Figaro? Don Giovanni? Grand I Part- would probably take... Grand Partita Serenity? Well, or
0: Così Fan Tutte. I mean... Uh, eh,
1: I don't like Così...
0: I didn't like Cozy too Cozy much either until I was in it. Once I actually inhabited the character of Guglielmo, I had a very different appreciation of the yeah. mechanics of it. But that's, that's pretty much all pro- the baritone roles
1: Mozart wrote, he has... I had least. a hell of a lot of fun yeah. in has, Guglielmo,
0: I mean, yeah. in, in Cozy. Probably Don Giovanni, I think. Yeah. But... Yeah, I love Don Giovanni. The things you must listen to. Carmen... I think Carmen's wonderful. I think it is like like, and this brings us to the next point in our conversation: a diatribe, or rather, an explanation in the form of a diatribe, as to, or a diatribe in the form of an explanation, as to why does Carmen not work? Ah, it doesn't work because this Carmen is does work. work. Well, it does, but it works despite itself. What it doesn't do is make any sense. Because it sure does. no, it doesn't. These s- are Don Jose is an idiot.
1: Well, that's he's the a point. jerk.
0: That's no. It's not the point. It's the point is that he's a stock comic character, and Bizet overwrote the part and failed in the operetta version. It was not accepted because he he went outside the parameters. These are comic characters. It's opera comique, and he wrote real tragedy. Mm-hmm. That was not part of the bargain, and the audience went. Yeah. Right. But the music is so unflaggingly brilliant, and everything fits together. It's such you know complex chromaticisms that all fit together. So what I mean the the ensemble writing is this. The the ensemble pieces are tour de forces mm-hmm. of, of choral writing with soloists, and there's absolutely nothing. There's not a bad note in it. Yeah. And so yeah, it is the most successful strength. failure goes in from opera. Strength to strength. Oh, it absolutely does. Yeah. And I mean, it's every every tune is memorable. Mm-hmm. How many operas actually achieve that? Not every many. tune is memorable. Yeah. I know somebody right now who's absolutely just like. Bored to tears, singing this concert version of Madama Butterfly up there. If it weren't for the Act One love duet and Butterfly, the rest of it is like really? forgettable. Not to me. No, it is to me. Sharpless is about as uninteresting a character as you can possibly.
1: Well, Sharpless isn't exciting, but
0: well, who else is there in 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 Butterfly besides the besides Butterfly and Pinkerton? There's no one else. Yeah, sing it's, it's, me a sing me a Goro tune sing me yeah, a no, no you know you can't it's not no. every single I can character can sing your sharpless tune every single character what uh, america no. forever well yeah. yeah that's not much but every character in carmen has a tune has a tune that's memorable mm. it's remarkable
1: no, i think butterflies absolutely gorgeous start to finish
0: well it isn't in the same league with carmen as far as the 10 pieces that i i would say from opera well i mean you could say aida well, no. Aida is wonderful. I would say Othello well, before Aida. But I think for pure enjoyment value, you, if you want to represent a representative Carmen. Well, okay. Well, we'll put Othello and Carmen in the ten pieces. Then.
1: Right, but I would also put Lohndgren in there. I love it.
0: I love it, too, but I'm not sure that, that that's...
1: That's not something that... That's really for that's for the elite...
0: It is. Wagner. Uh, so much of Wagner is not...
1: But I find Lohengrin to be, if you see a good production hear. It's, of it...
0: It's, it's must-hear once you've reached the point of understanding what yeah. he was doing. Carmen, anyone can understand it, anyone can grasp it, and everyone can enjoy it. Right.
1: Here's my take on Carmen. I don't look at it as individuals, as representations of individual people. I look at it more archetypically
0: mm-hmm.
1: and more... Um, almost in, internally. So you can internalize your internal Jose and your internal Carmen. So that part of you that wants to live life on your own fucking terms. <laughs> and that's Carmen. Right? She wants to live life on her own terms. She's like, fine, fall in love with me. Better beware. Yeah? no. I'm Watch okay. yourself. I'm warning you right now. Fall in love with me. See what happens. And he does. Right? But... Then, then Jose is, he's our cowardly elements. He's, he's a backstabber. He's a deserter. He's everything that's, like, you can see the how that part of, I, I can see how that part of my personality could kill the part that wants to be free and live life on its own terms. Because it's out of control. It's not checked. It's it's
0: yeah, but you know what? I've never heard that part of your personality whine about your mother the way he whines about his. <laughs> yeah. And that's not believable. No, he's it's a, not believable. He is, it's not credible. he is he's a clown. He's who the got the representation
1: of all that's wrong with 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 masculinity with men. Yeah, he's a he's, but a he's, he's a mama's a, boy. He but he deserted his family. Those he parts deserted of it, his regiment. Those he parts goes of it. To yes, jail. I agree. Those he tries parts to of it. Stabbed me on the back.
0: But then there's you know, also then the parts of his woman. but then there's also the parts of his stock comic character that just don't work because they're not part of the, that tragic yeah. reality. That's, that's my whole point about Carmen. my point is that it is a dramatic failure that is the greatest one of the it, not, I shouldn't say that it, it has dramatic dysfunctions and despite that it is the, the most successful failure in the history of opera.
1: What's the only opera Wagner liked? <laughs> well, I could see why. No, he loved it. If Wagner yeah. likes it.
0: There's got to be something to Wagner it. No, he I mean, only likes himself. Musically. Beethoven. Musically, it is, an, it is a composition par excellence. I yeah, mean, it is. It is, is one of the most unfailingly delightful pieces of music in the whole repertoire of composition.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And especially on that scale. I mean, how many hours of music is it? It's like two and a half, three hours. Yeah. It's a lot of music. It is, and it, and and it, it still works in the opera comic version, and it works in with the yeah, and with you the giro all, all
1: the interludes, all the,
0: the oh the orchestral music as yeah. well. I mean, yeah. what yeah. incredible? Da. Where do you get that? Yeah, you know, I've been. You, you look at, at, at the on like. Um, uh, and and, and the, the 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 breaks in the middle for the soloists and then you put it all together and look at the look at the figures the piano is playing that's a composition in and of itself mm-hmm. the accompaniment and the chorus and the soloists on top of it all three are working in concert and all three are separate identifiable musical motives mm-hmm. and he, he just slots it all together yeah. brilliantly he's even got the choruses singing like the the sopranos and tenors singing separate lines, uh from the from the altos and bases. Mm-hmm. And um, meanwhile, they're they're singing like uh, on the beat. We're singing syncopations. Right. It's it's just virtuosic.
1: Yeah.
0: It's a shame that he died as young as he 36. did. It's, well, it's what he might have done is pro is. But it doesn't really matter what he might have done. What really counts is what he did. Yeah. And he did uh,
1: plenty. I love Pearl Fishers, too.
0: I'll tell you, one of. Well, I think one of the most engaging pieces that Wagner ever wrote. Is, have you ever listened to his Symphony and C? Mm
1: hmm.
0: That's a great piece of music. Yeah. That's a wonderful piece of music. Yeah. Really underplayed as well. Well, oh, I, yeah. I, I don't I know don't, when the last time I ever heard of it being performed. That's one of
1: those pieces of music that there's, and there's a thousand of them that we don't need to hear Brahms' Second Symphony again. We don't need to hear Beethoven's seventh again. As much as I love those symphonies, <clears throat> I've heard them two, three, four times. No, we heard
0: it very poorly at the beginning of the season, too. <laughs> That's true. The seventh. I'm actually very um, curious. Maybe they were all hungover. I still think they were hungover, but after opening night. But oh, the, the but San Diego I'm very curious to see how they are going to play for Edo Devart doing Wagner on Friday night. Doing Mahler. i, I did, doing doing yeah. Mahler on Friday night because.
1: Well, they came back strong under him on the. Um, I didn't hear it. I didn't. Yeah I the 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 Schumann. The Schumann. The next weekend he he can. He I don't think I twice. I don't think I heard that one. Yeah, you did. Did I? Because you reversed your. Uh, your take? Well, yeah. What was it? It was. Uh, was it
0: the? It wasn't the piano concerto, was it? Was it the Rhenish Symphony? Yeah. Oh, Okay. All right. I think what the what.
1: Yeah, on, whatever it was, you did reverse your opinion. You really liked uh, the, his second weekend.
0: I, I'm. I'm still convinced they were hung over that first weekend. You know, he's so.
1: recorded this several times. Oh, I, I'm. He's a, got a complete Mahler's a edition on RCA.
0: Edo DeVart
1: does not with the San Diego Symphony. Not
0: with the San Diego. So, Symphony. but my my point is that, <laughs> that I mean I'm I've I've been an admirer of Ado DeVart. I think his recording of of the um, uh, of the, uh, the the Respighi uh, Pines and, mm. and Fountains is uh, are, are stand up with any recording I've ever heard.
1: Okay, I'm going to put
0: P- Fountains of Rome on the list. I would because I it's so. It's see, I feel be... the same way about the Pines. I think it's pines. It's the
1: pines. Well, that's yeah. a
0: revolutionary piece in and of itself yeah. because it involved an artificial um, re- uh, sound reproduction yeah. being used. The, the, the voice of the nightingale was actually played from a gramophone record in is, uh, mm-hmm. in, the, in the concert and amplified from a gramophone. Yeah, it's The pines. It's and the that's um, the beginning. One of the beginnings of mixed media performance.
1: It's the fountains of Rome that ends with the Angelus bell. Yeah, That's so moving.
0: No, I think the pines is is a, is a, is a of genius. Great. Yeah, when the Roman and also the, 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 the
1: ghosts of the Roman army marched through at the end. But before that, the, the ghosts
0: of the popes in the catacombs at the oh, pines of yeah. the catacomb with the muted trombones, where mm-hmm. in the background and they're playing one of the Kyrie ad libitum's from the uh, from the curiale uh, Clemens Rector. Hmm. <laughs> Da 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 da, dee, da 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 and it's that it's a wonderful Kyrie a very beautiful melody and uh and they they play that as the the, the voice of holiness past oh, from from within the tomb within right. the echoing out of the catacomb from diva. it's it's That's w- fantastic. Just brilliant. Wow. Just brilliant. You know Joe Waters out at San Diego state Hi John uh, once told me that when he was doing his post-grad work in Stockholm, uh, his his um, the professors there, this was, I guess, would have been in the late 1950s. Just kidding, Joan. Um, <laughs> uh, no, it was in the 1970s, I think. Um, and uh, they were very down on Respighi, telling him mm-hmm. that, that actively uh, promoting the view from the chair that uh, he he's was a an, he was an unworthy yeah. composer yeah. a minor composer he, his music should not be listened to and yeah. he should he, he should not be um, held up as any kind of example mm-hmm. and from what he told he's me he's the
1: Italian Mangelberg
0: well <laughs> i don't think there's any evidence that that, that he was ever particularly yeah, you know racially virulent you know a, 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 mm-hmm. or anti-semitic uh, he, he was he was an Italian who stayed in his country and uh, uh, tried to get along as you know as well as he could, mm-hmm. being the major composer that he was. Not you know that's I, I I I could be you know wrong on one or two points, but I don't think that needs to necessarily affect the stature of his composition. He was a major master mm-hmm. and wrote a phenomenal amount of music of extraordinarily high quality, yeah. from songs up to the the largest symphonic works. Yeah uh but the pines of rome is a it's great. a wonderful it. utterance it yeah. really is yeah no.
1: um
0: so yeah uh carmen coming up at san diego opera
1: mhm
0: it'll be interesting to see what happens with you know and also they're doing 3 Decembers out at the patrick henry high school uh what, yeah what, what, what's it? it it's the new the new arts center out there what's the name of it i don't know i can't remember it's a lovely looking it's theater like 500 seats yeah just
1: appropriate size Um,
0: but whether you know that represents more of a slice of the future is uh, open to interpretation at this point
1: yeah I that's yeah I I do think this paradigm is coming to a conclusion in many ways The paradigm that's been kind of running since well, since after World War II. Kind of the Metropolitan Opera. Like, every opera house is kind of a miniature Metropolitan Opera. With the deep yeah, stage productions so. and with... Uh...
0: Well, I think... Well, my personal opinion is that the Metropolitan Opera has snookered itself with the new opera house because now they've got nothing but deep stage productions that no one else can rent. Mm-hmm. Because not, not all theaters can accommodate those sets. Very few can, actually, that have a stage so that large. Opera and nobody Opera has that one much money.
1: advantage that most others don't. There's probably 450 billionaires in the neighborhood.
0: Yeah. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> but I think those 450 billionaires would probably rather be keeping a company going that was less expensive on sets and... Uh, in a house that was about a thousand seats smaller, kind of similar to what they had before they yeah. decided to. I like.
1: To... I like the Met,
0: though. I hate it. I, I I have no desire ever to go to that theater again. Really? I love the company. I hope that they that they continue, but I don't like that theater. I really don't. Hmm. Never have. I enjoyed it. I didn't.
1: Three times so I've gone.
0: It's too big.
1: No. Yeah. I... It's big, but it didn't feel big to me. I felt closer there than I. The old civic theater
0: here. Well, it could be that that theater is. You have no idea. You want to talk about far away? Last spring when I went it's down to the pit here is
1: so wide.
0: It's a it's a vast pit. But uh, the you want to talk about far away? You should uh, see the the Talia Mara Hall down in Jackson, Mississippi, where I went to do uh, <laughs> uh, that thing. Is. Twice as long as the depth of the what Civic did you Theater. There? Turandot? turandot. They were doing Turandot. I went down and chimed in with them. Okay. And uh, because I had family in the area, I was Just going like down on Royal was,
1: Albert Hall. Size. I was
0: going down there on business, so I I, I decided to you know uh, intrude myself
1: mm-hmm. and
0: uh, and well, no, it's only two levels, but inst- they could do well with having three levels and have because the two of, two what would be a third level is basically an extension of the floor. Mm. It is. It is uh, an, an, an like... It's like the shrine. Shrine's two levels. Yes, but it, but the shrine is very, very, very wide. Mm-hmm. The shrine is... Uh, this is just long and narrow. When you're oh, at the back okay. of that hall, <laughs> you're a long ways away.
1: Yeah.
0: You're in Louisiana. <coughs> My goodness. Actually, let me think. <coughs> Which way does it face? It faces south. You're down in New Orleans. So... Or maybe to Hattiesburg, I'm not sure. But anyway, it's it's just a ridiculously long hall. Hmm. <laughs> H-A-L-L, no pun intended. Right.
1: Uh,
0: walking from one end of it to the other is a long hall. But, I mean, that's, that's a long ways away. But the, the Met, I don't know. I just think a 4,000-seat space is excessive by modern vocal standards. Matt, but... Even, and...
1: When I, I didn't have any problems hearing all the singers saying pianissimo. That may be. And I didn't have any problems hearing them.
0: That may be, but I, you know, I felt like I needed to be looking at them through the Hale Telescope.
1: Because they're so
0: damn far away. I also stood at the back of the floor and it was still far away. Hmm. I don't know. I just, that that house does not please me. Um, I would like to see something about a thousand seats smaller and, you know, with, um, I'm sure they could create one with just as good acoustics. Yeah. And I think it would be, and and with maybe not quite such a an, such well, enormous so stage demand. This, this paradigm is coming. This to paradigm an end. is coming to an end. I, it feels like I've talked I, to I've people no from solid, New York about that. No solid evidence. No, but we'll. I mean, is, intuition tells you that something's going on, and mm-hmm. I've talked to people from New York, people who were involved with the Met about that, and they they agree that in ten years, probably the way the audience is going, mm. they're going to need a smaller home, something more traditional. For operatic production, something more like what they had. Oh, and And, I mean... I just
1: don't want another new opera house.
0: Well, I wouldn't mind one if it would help keep the company going. And I think yeah, that... I, I think just
1: don't want a new... Let's put it this way. The going to be bullshit.
0: The opera audience isn't getting any bigger in our present social circumstances.
1: Mm-hmm. It's not to say if
0: it couldn't, if it weren't marketed right, but the... Uh, it's, it's not, the audience is not a growth, this is not a growth industry at the moment. Mm-mm. And people out there who are listening to this, you should be spreading the word to your friends that they need to see it while they can. Yeah. Don't miss it. Because if you value opera, if you value this type of cultural expression, then get in there and see it. Spend the mm-hmm. money. Because when you stop and or think you're about it. you have to travel. Remember we did that thing about how they bring out, everybody says how many people it takes to make an opera and all the rest of it? Yes. Well, think about
1: and it. opera. You pay
0: $75 out. for a ticket. Right? Mm-hmm. How many people did you see? There were, that's like, comes out to about 30 cents a person that it took to actually make this happen. Right. You've just rented all of those people for an entire evening to please you. You know, they are at your service right. for an entire evening. It costs you 30 cents a person. Mm-hmm. That's actually value for money. That is well, value for money. That's
1: and, also why it's so expensive. Because there's no efficiencies to be had.
0: But on the other hand, if you know it's that expensive and you know that you've got to have the kind of underwriting, but you better damn well get out and find the donors. Find them. Don't take no for an answer. You know, make it their priority. Mm-hmm. Find shake, kiss babies, shake hands, you know, play tennis, do everything you can possibly do to get the corporate donation. Yeah.
1: They are the ones. Well, I think that's what the Met is doing.
0: I know. I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are. That's what Tito Capobianco used to do. That's how we got up to eight mm-hmm. operas a season. He was glad handing for all he was worth, yeah. and I'm not saying that David Bennett isn't. But uh, you know, we we well, need yeah. we need Qualcomm donations. You know, if they can do it for the symphony, they can do it for us. Yeah, and, well,
1: that wasn't Qualcomm.
0: Well, Irwin Jacobs. Yeah. So uh, that's and uh, you know I'm I'm deliberately throwing a suggestion out there, Mr. Jacobs. So I mean, I don't think
1: he likes opera.
0: Well, opera <laughs> likes you, <laughs> right? You <know? laughs> And society likes you, and the, the, the our culture needs all the bolstering it can get at this point. Yeah. That's what the classical rebellion yeah. is all about. This is
1: what I... You, you're saying this has got me thinking about... This I whole think. push to, to... We need a new opera audience. We need a younger audience. We need a younger audience. We need a younger audience. No, you don't. You need more money. <laughs>
0: That's not what opera always needs. I mean, let's, no. let's, let's, don't forget.
1: You need more money. And guess who doesn't have money? Young people. The younger audience.
0: Right. No, the, 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 let's not forget that the Metropolitan Opera itself failed twice mm. in the 1880s and 90s. Before, okay. the present company stuck. Right. Right? It, it, it went out of business twice and got taken over. So, um, it, it does happen. And But that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, that, that things don't get reborn and that new, new mm-hmm. enterprises don't take their place. Right. But.
1: There's also before unions.
0: That's true. But, I mean, I, the, the, this doesn't necessarily, the, the union situation in San Diego Opera, let's put it, for the, well, let's put it the this thing. way, for the future, if could be not, malleable.
1: If you're not a union house, you don't get union singers. Which includes principal singers. So you're going to have to find non-union principal singers. Yeah, but
0: you know what you're going to get? You're going to get people who want to work. Sure. You know, if you want to work in it and the job is there, you're going to have to find a way to take but you've it. Got
1: to, but those people have to be good enough to present the art form in a, a entertaining manner. This is true. A night of opera, when someone can't actually sing the role... Is what that is entertaining? I love it. When <laughs> fall
0: Iperli negri.
1: Yes.
0: Iperli negri. I, per, perli I yeah. will drink gallons
1: of schadenfreude. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's all part of life's rich pageant, isn't it? Um, but
1: you know, this is what I was noticed. I don't think. Did you go to Rigoletto? I didn't. You didn't. So, in my opinion, every time Stephen Powell was on stage. Stephen has been doing it for 20 years at least now. Every time he was on stage, opera happened. That was opera. When he was on stage and he was singing, opera was happening. When children was singing, opera happened now and then, maybe. When the tenor was singing, nothing was happening.
0: <laughs> Not that I hated him,
1: it just... <laughs> you know he just wasn't i, I don't know if this is his first time in the role or not it was the, certainly i believe it was the, the soprano's first time in the role um but when you need someone who's been doing it for 20 years that's who i want to hear i don't want to hear a young singer i want to hear opera and when opera happens it's when someone's been doing it for 25 years well, what you that's what i want
0: what you are saying takes us back to the very beginning of opera in San Diego. In 1924, uh, the guy who's Buren Shryock, who started the first incarnation of the San Diego Symphony in 1914, had moved on uh, from, the the, the Symphony went out of business after World War, in the depression that followed World War I. Mm. And uh, he went, he was a composer as well, he was working on other stuff And in in the early 20s, he started the first incarnation of San Diego Opera. And the way he did it was he went up to San Francisco, uh, where Giuseppe De Luca was doing Rigoletto at San Francisco Opera with a bunch of Met people. And somehow or another he contracted with Deluca and those met supporting artists to come down to San Diego and do a performance in a performance in San Diego with a local chorus and a local orchestra and do it and he got somehow got the money and i I've, I've yet to discover all of the ins and outs of this because apparently it really it really cheesed off some Los Angeles people
1: um, and <laughs> okay.
0: caused a great big fracas. Some of the agents from up there and stuff that were that felt bypassed, and 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 that this guy was operating outside. Well, anyway, he made it happen. And after, after the opera, and apparently it was very successful. Um, as it would be if Giuseppe De Luca, mm-hmm. who's been doing it for twenty five years, like you said, was right. was opera happened in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And the next day they talked to him, and he said um, before he left town, and he said, "There's no doubt of it." And he said. Um, San Diego can have opera if they want to pay for it. Right. Yeah, and there you are. Yeah. He said in other words, you got to get your get your act together and get the financing to make this happen mm-hmm. if you want it to happen like this. Yeah. And they then went off to an all local production of Traviata in December of that year, and they were scheduled to do Otello in the spring and in my reading in the in the newspaper room never actually got me that far so i don't but, but uh, traviata did not happen oh. for it was delayed and then when it did happen it was on it, the tenor failed the tenor. the tenor failed yes <laughs> he failed i and, have yet
1: to hear i've been in or two three different traviatas so obviously the two traviatas i was in i heard every single performance And then the one I went to, the tenor just fell apart. I mean, there was no, there was no hiding the fact that he fell apart. I mean, it it, it was bad. And uh, I've never heard a live satisfactory performance of that role.
0: I heard it at the Met. I heard it in Covent Garden. I was in it here. At San Diego Opera, oh, mm-hmm. well, you were in the and one then I was in, talking
1: about.
0: <clears throat> we were in that other one as well, and
1: um, oh, that tenor was
0: spectacular. <laughs> one of the very best. <laughs> You've been doing it for twenty-five years. Yes, um, <laughs> twenty. But, um, and I, I have I. It was me. The the performances that I have have heard of it were. Oh, and I saw it here most recently as well. I thought that was very unmemorable. The a couple of years ago,
1: Domingo's widest yeah, yeah, production.
0: Yeah. yeah, I wasn't very impressed. Yeah. Um, but Traviata is not the most spectacular opera, unless you. I mean, it's a color. It's for the coloratura soprano, and if mm. she's got a big sempre libera, then you're in clover. And if not, it's not memorable. So, yeah, um, it's not on the list. It's not on the list. No but the the gist of the, of, of the, the that story is that yes it, it does coincide with what you say opera can happen here if you're going if somebody wants to pay for it but yeah. that assumes you know back in 24 mr. Marsden and you can see the list in the program which um, which I have for that season of who the donors were they were the prominent people of San Diego they put up bucks to make this happen and mm-hmm. it happened and they were, there was a, quite a coterie, coterie of people through the 70s and 80s that, you know, and 90s that were continuing to put up money to make this happen. And then for whatever reason, um, that arrangement fell apart. And that kind of civic-mindedness from the, the people who have the means really needs to be recaptured. Mm-hmm. Because if you, if you, unless you really don't believe... There's just so much opera that's never been seen in San Diego. Yeah, so much good opera that even if you consider it secondary opera, like La Gioconda, I'd love to see a production of La Gioconda sure. here, with operas that have been, singers that have been doing it for twenty five years.
1: Mm-hmm. Meister
0: We've never had a Meister here. Yeah. The last we we had all the Ring operas, but in the seventies, back in the early seventies, mm-hmm. and, you know, when will we ever?
1: Part of it is the, the civic theater. It's not. A great experience to go see anything at the Civic Theater. It is... It's vast. Ugly. The interior of that theater is atrocious. It's run down. I mean, it needs to be repainted. Well, they paint took paint
0: chips they took off all, the wall. They took all of its decoration out of well, it. It used, have, it used to have copper decorations yeah. all around the stage. Yeah. And then they took them out. I guess maybe when copper got valuable, but it was <laughs> sold them off. But I mean, if you, you can actually see, you can actually see the, um, the 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 plastered over holes in the wall right. where the attachments were, and it looks like somebody took a fifty caliber machine gun, you know, and yeah. and, or, and went, or a French seventy five and went boom, boom, boom all around the proscenium. Yeah. But having said that, I I do think I've I've been in a lot worse theaters for acoustics. So um, I'm
1: talking about the experience of going there—the whole total opera package.
0: Well, the city outgrew it. No, it's it,
1: never going to happen in that theater.
0: No, it's not. But
1: that's part of what I like about the Met—you feel like you are somewhere.
0: The, yeah, but I felt like I was. Some, yeah, but I felt like I was someplace up, I
1: didn't want to be. The the Sputnik chandeliers go up. The golden roof. Jeez. It's fantastic.
0: The golden roof is hardly Marc Chagall's murals in the, in the, the Palais Garnier in
1: Paris. Well, no, it's a 20th century building. Yeah. But it's, it still gives you a sense of occasion.
0: I'll grant you that.
1: Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <Just a> <laughs> <laughs> I love it, those Sputnik chandeliers. They, oh, they're oh, going geez. up. Oh, that's the tap, tap, tap. That's the tap tap tap.
0: All right. Well, that brings us back Does where bring we belong. Us full I think it brings us pretty much full circle. It's
1: pretty rambling. There wasn't really a clear topic here, but no well, way.
0: we know we covered we covered Mahler and Mengelberg. We still have we covered six
1: we, or seven things to put on the list. Uh,
0: well, we'll get to those in due course. Okay. I need more time to think about it. Do I or don't I put Havergal Bryan's Gothic Symphony? Well, so, who on are list? we talking no, to? No, I'll okay? tell you. No, These people I'm,
1: have never heard any classical music. The ten pieces they need to hear. Ten pieces every person needs to hear before they die? Because we could do that.
0: We could do that, probably.
1: That could be. Those are very popular. As well Mahler two, too. Beethoven 9. Ten pieces of music you need to hear before you die.
0: I think that's actually a better way of putting it. Ten pieces you need to hear. Not necessarily the ten best pieces, right. but ten pieces you need to hear. You yeah. would benefit from from hearing
1: mm-hmm. that. Okay, we'll do that.
0: All right. I'll make my. I'll get my list again. All right.
1: We'll see, and we'll see how we many covered Carmen.
0: We shared. We covered the projections of San Diego Opera's future. Well, we've begun to touch on those projections. Kind of talked about
1: Muller's Fourth,
0: but not really. And we, we discussed the Fourth, but anyway. I,
1: I wanted to talk about Knox for summer, summer of nineteen fifteen. You need to read that before this weekend. All right. I'll, I'll send it to. I'm you. not the hugest
0: Samuel it. Barber fan, but.
1: Well, no, it's, you need to read the, the short story. And yeah, I love it so much.
0: Okay. All right. Right. Well, that's... We yeah, just we're, did the we're, hand we're, signal. <laughs> we're making the hand signal Thank right you. now. There we go. All right. Classical going.